So I'm really, really excited. But it is, and you know, I was telling uh, Eric in the hallway, it's not, uh, you know, and I, I think maybe a better way of saying it is, it's not that it's complex. It's that, it's that when 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 God gives you something from heaven, it's simple. It'll require faith. It'll require you to change. It'll be simple. It'll be different than the norm. What's complex is how the enemy comes against you. That is the that is the part. And so you get something simple. And you're like, dun da da dum and you try to move forward. And then, like, how, how come I can't move forward? Any of you, any of you uh, had seasons in your life where you're not praying, and every day you're asking yourself, why am I not praying? And you can't figure out why you're not praying. You ever been there? Or every day you're like, I'm not spending time in prayer, and I'm not spending time in the Word. And I know that. And I'm reminding myself of that. And I'm still not doing it. It's a spirit. That's all that is. It's a spirit. And to prove it's a spirit, everybody got the same testimony. And so you have to try to weather that, that storm. And so, uh, you know, you're just like, you know, and I know with me, I'm like, what is wrong with you? You know, you're just sitting around like, you know, and it's a force that's come against you. And it's so funny because we never think to just simply speak. Because we keep blaming it on ourselves. We keep blaming it on ourselves. And that's what they want you to believe. They want you to believe that it's you, not them. And so you keep blaming something on yourself that's someone else. And it gives that someone else more power to keep doing what you keep blaming on yourself. And so you have to learn to just speak to everything. And, us, you know, the Bible actually calls it the spirit of slumber. It's a lot of scriptures uh, and I looked at them. I decided not to add them to my sermon because I only have one scripture and one story, you know. But but I, I did, but um, but I was amazed at all of the scriptures that said, "Awake, wake up, sleepyhead. Wake up, wake up, wake up." And that's what it is. It's a spirit of slumber that puts you asleep while you're awake. And and also what it'll do is that it'll put certain parts of you asleep. So like when it comes to the foolish side, that's always awake. That don't never go to sleep. You know, but when it comes to certain things that you are need that you need, uh, one of the most dangerous times in your life is when you get a word from God. Because when he speaks that word, you're not the only one that hear it. His enemy hears it, too. And so the scripture says Satan comes immediately to steal. So when you get a word, when you get a blueprint, when you get his will, when you get direction, when you get whatever it is that he gives you, um, uh, they come to immediately begin to hinder that. You know, you see that in scripture where Paul talked about, it was amazing how Paul said, look, he, he wrote this letter to uh, the church and he said, I have been trying to leave the city to visit you all for a while. He said, but Satan hindered me. And I was like, well, how can Satan hinder you? And it's not so much that he got in the middle of the road and, and held him and tied him to a tree. What it was is, is that Satan kept creating scenarios and, and, and skirmishes and fires and emergencies that were of such importance it did not allow him to leave. You know, and sometimes the devil will do that in your life. In order to prevent you from moving forward, he keeps stirring up stuff. Stirring up stuff with family members, stirring up stuff with the job, stirring up stuff with you, you acting crazy, you know what I'm saying? Stir, I mean, just stirring up stuff, stirring up stuff. And sometimes you have to make a decision and say, okay, you know what? You're not going to keep me hemmed up like this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let everything fail. And I'm going to just focus in on this. 
And so, you know, if I can't, like, and this is going to sound strange, if I can't get myself together after a few days, I'll just put everything and everybody and ev on hold. You know, AT&T will be calling me, sir, you need to pay your cell phone bill like they did today. Too bad. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to worry about that right now. You know, they'll threaten me enough with it to get my attention. A couple of times it got shut off, and I just, I'm sorry, y'all, I was waiting to the last minute. But that's how I am. I'll just put the whole planet on pause because, because, you know, that's, and it's an honor to be attacked that way. You know, be attacked that way. So I just have one story for you. Um, and uh, it's a very powerful story. That's why I don't really need to. You know, I came to the conclusion today, you know, people out here saying, well, you can only preach for 20 minutes. Others say, well, no, you should preach for 45, 50. That seems to be the standard norm in Christianity. And other folk, they just preach until the Holy Ghost is done. And then some, the Holy Ghost is done. They just keep on preaching. And it's just, it's, the list goes on and on and on. So I was just like, you know, no, I don't have to come up with more. Sometimes the Holy Spirit wants you to make one statement, and then we salute each other, and we out. Okay? So the statement is just, I uh, shouldn't say statement. I just have one little small, simple story. I shared it Sunday. And uh, I shared this story Sunday, but um, um, I didn't put it on the recording. Uh, sometimes if I... When I preach on Saturday, I will put that up if I think it's quality enough, um, or I'll wait until the Sunday service and see which one maybe had a little bit better, because sometimes at the Sunday location, I'm able to fill in a few more details, and the Lord gives me a little bit more, etc. So I didn't put it up. Y'all so y'all ready for the story? How many know we have some masterful stories that come out of here? Y'all, so now I say I got a story, y'all like, put the Bible down. We got to pay attention. Ain't no taking on those today. Okay. So. Everybody say faithfulness. You know, the Bible talks a lot about how in the last days, um, I'm going to grab me a piece of tissue. It's right there on the side. <clears throat> Thank you. All right. So the Bible talks a lot about how in the last days, I'm going to start over for a particular reason. Okay. So the Bible talks about how in the last days that uh, many would not be found faithful. The Bible talks about being faithful all the way to the end, um, counted faithful, all of those different type of things. And so he that's faithful and least faithful and much. And so I want to give you an example of the type of faithfulness that makes heaven stand at attention. So my wife and I are driving to the Riverdale location on Sunday, and uh, there was already a young lady. She moved here from another state. And she's working. She's working on getting a car. So I checked to see why she wasn't at church. She said, I'm only 15, 20 minutes away, but I don't have a car. So I was going to pick her up. One of the other members said he could. Albert went and picked her up. And so I think it's Church Street, um, right before you get to Bethsaida Road. And my wife and I are driving. And I look over to the right, and I see an older woman. Um, uh, and I still... It was kind of vague what she had on, but it's an older woman, and um, she is uh, walking with a uh, slight limp, and I noticed that she has on, like, regular clothes, and she has on a church hat, okay? And so um, so she has on a church hat, and, uh, and so she's kind of, like, I mean, kind of explain it this way. She's kind of walking like, you know, this. She's walking like that. You know, she's walking like that. I don't know if she was just tired or whatever. So she's walking with a slight limp, walking like she's extremely tired. And then she, uh, um, 
she uh, has on this turquoise church hat. That's what got my attention. And so when I drove past, um, the Holy Ghost said, I'll turn around and pick her up. And so I got down to Bethesda Road, made a fast U-turn, really, really fast. One of those illegal U-turns, like right in the cross. Like you kind of visit, I visited every street in that U-turn. Traffic was like, really, dude? You're going to do all of that? You know, and so my wife didn't say a thing. And so she, because uh, she figured, mm, I know what's up. So I pull up to where the lady is, and I roll down my window and holler at her from across the street. And I think I said, uh, I said, Mother, you need a ride? And uh, she said, yeah, that would help. And uh, I said, you going to church? And she said, yes. So I made a U-turn. And I made a U-turn, and then uh, my wife said, uh, she said, unlock the door. She said, I'm going to get out. She said, I'm going to open up the door for this lady. And so, uh, so sure enough, we pulled up. She had on some type of jogging suit with a church hat. You know, I just, I mean, maybe she had a bag. I wasn't paying attention. Um, but I knew that I was about to get embarrassed. I knew it. So I uh, pulled up. My wife got out the car, and, and the woman got in. And I said, uh, I asked her again. I said, you going to church this morning? And she said, she said, yeah, son. She said, just go on up here and then make it right. So she gets in the car, and my wife goes into the glove department and pulls out all of this tissue because the woman is sweating profusely. I mean, just like this paper, this paper towel is not about to help. She's ran. Then I made the mistake of asking her a question that broke me and then broke the congregation on Sunday. Said, now, nah, we picked her up at 9.30 a.m. Say, how long you been walking? She said, since 7 a.m. Me and my wife went deathly silent because I'm holding on to the steering wheel and I'm just like, the Holy Ghost is like, faithfulness. And I said, you've been walking since, see, in my mind, I'm not thinking about the long walk. I'm thinking about this is an older lady walking to church, struggling like this with a limp. I said, you've been walking since 7 a.m.? She said, yeah. That's what time I got to get up to get to Sunday school on time to serve. Um, I'm, now, any of you ever got convicted and you weren't even doing nothing wrong? I was just like, I think I'm going to hell. <laughs> she said, yeah. I'm, and, and now, see, me and my Superman cake kicked in. And I'm thinking like, oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. What type of church got this woman out here walking for two and a half hours and, and all that type of stuff? I'm, I'm formulating. How can I get a car? Can I steal a car? Can I get a loan for a car? Can I, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm, just, I'm always trying to rescue people. Okay. So I'm thinking, so we made the right-hand turn. And then I uh, pull up to the church. And as we pull up to the church, she says, yeah, take me on up to the door. And the pastor walks out. And so, you know, this is just the flesh. I don't know him. I don't know her. Boom. And so I'm just thinking, oh, I need to roll down the window and say, how you doing, sir? I understand that you're the pastor. I'm a man of God myself. Just let you know I picked up one of your members who's been walking for two and a half hours just to get to Sunday school. That's what I wanted to do. And I kept getting ready to... I, let me tell you something. I never asked a woman another question. I got ready to do. Got ready to. A million questions went through my mind. A million questions went through my mind. I got ready to ask her this. Where do you live? Do you walk every Sunday? And the Holy Spirit was just like, keep your mouth closed. I only you. And it was weird. It was, a, it was the same thing that happened when Oedipo was holding my hand and all my questions left. It was similar. 
This time the questions were there, but the Holy Spirit would not let my mouth open. He just wouldn't let me say anything. And, you know, and I'm just, and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm upset. I'm like, I can't believe this. And so I just waved at the pastor. He walked past. And then she said, thank you very much. And uh, you all have a wonderful day. And I'm going to go on in here and get ready. Thank you again. And so we went in there, and my wife and I are just deathly silent. Now I'm having a conversation in my mind with God. And, and, and in my, here's the conversation. Something needs to be done for her because I just feel so sorry for this woman. And you want to hear what the Holy Spirit told me? He said, for what? You need to be sorry for the ones that drive cars. He said, because she didn't have a ride to church. And even though it was going to take two and a half hours to walk there, she didn't use it as an excuse. She decided to execute and exercise faithfulness. He said, and this is what I'll never probably forget this for the rest of my life. He said, and while you are feeling sorry for her, we are simply in heaven counting every step. I heard that just as clear as day. He said, in order for that woman to walk two and a half hours is in the dimension of faithfulness. And because it's in that dimension, every step she takes must be counted. And he said, while you're feeling sorry for her, he said, we're counting every step. And he said, not only are we counting every step, he said, every step that she takes, something is set aside for her in heaven. Because at any given moment, she can change her mind. And he told me again, he said, fear is sorry. Feel sorry for the ones who have air conditioned and heated cruise control cars who can't get up on time and do anything for the Lord versus the one that can walk for two and a half hours. He said, well, the ones with the cars lose their reward while the ones walk it, gain it, and get theirs. And then, of course, as usual, he always gives us a scripture. Job 31.4, the amplified version. Does not God see my ways and count all my steps? That's just one. Y'all looking like, <laughs> these three over here looking like, um, I don't even know what to say or pray. Neither did I. And so that is the definition of faithfulness. That's what it means to put the things of God above excuses. To put the things of God above, I'm too tired put the things of God above finances, to put the things of God where, where you will do whatever it takes to get to work on time. But it's okay to get to church late on time. And while you're waking up at the last minute and making excuses, you got an old lady walking down the highway while heaven is counting her steps. And so I knew at the end of that day that we had picked up a future queen See, that's one of those women that when you, when you see her stand in heaven, you will see why is she being honored that way? And then they're going to they're gonna roll the tape. She was, watch this. That woman was walking while we were still in the bed. See how crazy that is? Think about that. You hitting the alarm clock again. Hitting the alarm clock again. Hitting the alarm clock again while she walking. Okay? So, and as old folks say, walk through many dangers and many toils. Got people out there, dogs out there, people blowing at her. Can you imagine? I mean, you just, I mean, you, you're on a trek and a journey by yourself to get to Sunday school, to serve. 
So that broke me. Even though I'm a person that will go that far. My wife will tell you that I don't make excuses when it comes to things. Now, there are some people, I don't rescue everyone because some people, they don't need to be rescued. Everybody has an emergency. People send me stuff all the time like, uh, no, I won't even be answering that one today. You know, but, but I will do whatever it takes, period. Okay, I will go all the way. And even my own wife has learned many lessons about that over the years because when she gave up, I kept on going. Everybody has a tolerance level. It might be something I could give up, and you keep on going. You know what I'm saying? Some people are like, why would you say that against your wife? Because my wife would get up here and say the same thing about me because it's not deep. We're transparent. Other folk trying to hide. Well, you know, I'm perfect. Mm-hmm, whatever. Okay, so I just thought that that was just an excellent story concerning being faithful because heaven is counting. Okay? So I'm going to add one more that the Lord just dropped on me, the man named Angelo. He said, book called The Final Quest. If you haven't read that book, that book will change your life. It's the only book Randall and I were talking about that reminds us of the Bible. I mean, every time, there's no way to explain it except for it came from heaven. And so in The Final Quest, there was a, uh, the Lord told, Rick Joyner was in heaven and he told him, he said, Rick Joyner noticed that he was in heaven and in the highest part, because heaven is in levels, and one of the highest thrones was a homeless man on planet Earth named Angelo. And he recognized, he said, I recognize that man. And, and Jesus told him, he said, yeah, that's the homeless guy named Angelo that we tried to get you to minister to on planet Earth. And uh, he said, I came to you in dreams about the man. And uh, he, said, he said, I gave you a dream. And he said, and, and uh, in the dream, he was in an alley getting ready to kick a cat with all of his strength because he was in full wrath and rage. And he said, but at the last moment, he restrained himself. He said, I have a question. I think it was a dream. He said, two scenarios. He said, one is a minister. He said, that was out there getting people saved, set free, healed, delivered, all of that. He was doing the work of the ministry. He said, and then I showed you another guy. He said, he was homeless and got ready to kick that cat. But he restrained himself. He said, which one do you think pleased me more? He said, oh, of course, the preacher. He said, wrong. He said, the homeless guy. This is why. He said, the preacher man, he said, he, he, was, he was brought up with everything. Everything. I mean, I mean, he had no trauma. He was brought up in a Christian home. He went to a Bible school. He was out there getting people saved, but he was only operating in a small dimension of what he could do, like 60%. He said the homeless guy, he said he was given up at birth and sat on somebody's porch. He was tossed around from foster home to foster home, foster home. He said, and he ended up homeless, and he found a track in an alley and got saved off of the track that he found in the alley. Because of that track and his glorious salvation, he saw his little cardboard box in the alley as a mansion. He said, long story short, he said that uh, he began to collect pop bottles on the street and cans together, sell them. He would get a little money and get more tracks and try to hand them out on the street. He said, uh, you even pointed him out to other preachers, and you called him an agent of Satan that was sent to turn people off from the gospel. He said he was actually a son of God, unlearned, untrained, but being 100% faithful with what he knew. Passing out tracks. And he said, how many people did he get saved? He said, none. He said, why is he in the highest spot in heaven? He said, simple. He said, he was in the alley and he was holding another man to try to prevent an alcoholic from freezing to death. And he said, they were both getting ready to freeze to death and get some frostbite or whatever else. And he said, and heaven was watching. So they asked me to just bring him home. So I did. See, so, so the way that heaven looks at things, they, they see, let me tell you something, heaven records every second. 
And it takes a long time to get the revelation that my every second is being recorded. And that it's a very, very extreme, very, very extreme place. So with that, I'm just encouraging you to, to, to take a look at yourself. I know I am. Take a look at yourself and, and not just faithful to what you think. We're supposed to be faithful to God first, faithful to his word, faithful to his way, faithful to his commandments. If you're a child, you're supposed to be faithful to your parents. If you're a spouse, you're supposed to be faithful to your spouse. Okay, You're supposed to be faithful to your church. You're supposed to be faithful to your job. You're supposed to be faithful to your word. The Bible says keep your word even to your own hurt. That has hit me since I have been a pastor. Big time. Yeah, I'll do it. Then I get there. Why in the world did I agree to this mess right here? Now, uh, no. You're not going to get me. People be asking me stuff. No, I'm not giving you an answer because it doesn't work. Then you ask me to pray for your situation. It's not working. Okay? So I'm just encouraging you that uh, to just take a look at your life. You know, and that's very, very, you know, I told the story, but you can imagine being in it. Because when that woman told when that woman told us she had been walking since seven o'clock that morning, man, something came in that something came in that car, and I was trying my best to hold on to the steering wheel. I was trying not to break, and and I can't. I, I made one statement, and I can't remember what it was. I can't remember, and my wife didn't say nothing because I haven't look over. She was just looking straight ahead because we didn't know who was in the car. That's faithfulness, okay? So I'm just encouraging you. How many know we can always improve? Some of us need to improve a little. Some of us need to improve a lot. And some of us just need to get on the racetrack. You know what I'm saying? We're not even in the race. You know what I'm saying? And unfortunately, that usually message is for the people that are not even here. <laughs> it's these type of messages that are for the ones that's not faithful. <laughs> I'm not saying everybody that come to midweek is not faithful. Y'all know what I'm saying. But some of the most core messages, you know, you, you, if you preach about being on time, well, sometimes people don't hear. You know why? Because they're not there on time to hear about being on time. You know? And see, you know what? I mean? You know what? When I was over, I'll share this, and then I'm going for real. You know what the last thing, that the, not last thing, the major thing that the Holy Spirit shared with me when I came over from Nigeria? Um, he said, your health began to fail because you were trying to kill yourself to help people that cannot be helped. He said, your love and your desire for people to get it is just like Jesus. He said, the difference is Jesus knew when to stop. You don't. He said, preach the word and whosoever will, let them do it. Quit trying to hound people and chase people and kill yourself trying to get people to see a point that they don't even want to see or get. Okay? So, you know, you have these lessons on the road. You have these lessons on the road, okay? And so, you know, we are very much entering into a season where Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The blueprint that the Lord has given us is one that is easy and one that is light. And because it is easy and because it is light, the enemy is going to try to place burdens on us. Okay. But when it's, the, when it's Jesus, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. They just need you to be faithful. So let's go ahead and stand. Hallelujah. So one little thing about this format is that we will be able to stick to points, add stories, different things like that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah to Jesus. 
give you praise. Let's lift our hands for a moment. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, O Lord God, for experiences like this, for men and women that are on levels that are even higher than us, that you bring across our path to convict us, but not to convict us to make us feel bad, but to convict us to be better. Your desire is for us to get our full reward, full reward. So I thank you, O Lord God. We ask, O Father God, for grace for us to be faithful, not necessarily more faithful, but to just be faithful completely where we are. Show us the areas that we are not. Show us the areas that we need to improve. Thank you, O Lord God, for bringing that woman across our path or vice versa. Thank you, O Lord God, for even giving me a mind and a heart to pick her up so that I could see and have an opportunity, O Lord God, to have a moment with one of your great queens that will rule and reign with you. Thank you, O Lord God. Help us to not be like her, but help us to be like Jesus because she was doing it for you. We ask that you would help us to do it for you also. But we know, Lord God, that lives hang in the balance. Eternity hangs in the balance. We know, Father God, that heaven is not a finished place. It is changing and it is forming and it is being extended by the work that we are doing. The trees and the flowers are being birthed there by what we do. The clothes are being made, the things that are being established, the thrones that are being put in place, the responsibilities and even the classrooms there. It is a place that is ever expanding, ever changing. And help us, oh Father God, to be the ones that help it expand greatly. Help us to be the ones that cause heaven to expand and not to diminish, to increase and not decrease. Help us, oh Father God, to be the ones and give us grace to help it be a place populated, oh God, with fruit and love and peace, which are the fruits of the Spirit. So I thank you, O Lord God, for filling us with the knowledge of your will. Thank you, Lord, for convicting us. So you said you only chastise those that you love. So we thank you, O Lord God, for giving us a mind, giving us a heart, and helping us to, O Lord God, put the flesh in check so we can receive this type of chastisement because you want us to not only be the best people that we can be, but get the most full reward that we can receive because we will live off of it and live in it for eternity. Thank you, O Lord God, for this. We bless and honor you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Just a couple of announcements before I let you go.